Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome in. How are we doing? Thank you for stopping in to listen to the first ever episode of A New Era podcast hosted by Freddy and the OG Frid. My name is Hanson, better known as Freddy online. And with me here, I've got my dad, the OG Frid. You want to say hi? Hi there, guys. Hi, everyone. Hey there, Freddy. Hey there. So, with this being the first, I want to give a quick little introduction as to what we'll be talking about here on this podcast um, and the, the topics that will go into upcoming episodes. Um, we are a big Boston sports family. Uh, we have been for a while. We're diehard fans, and most of our time spent on the phone every week is debating moves that the teams need to make and talking about the performance and whatnot, along with some betting stuff. So. We thought, what a better time than to bring this into a podcast and have these conversations here, you know, once or twice a week and, and just talk sports for an hour and shoot the shit a little bit. So that's what to expect. Um, we started this at this time with this name because with the news of Belichick and the Patriots parting ways at the end of last week, we thought this was a great time. We saw a lot of stuff about the end of an era, the end of a dynasty. It sparked the name, it sparked the idea, and we're hitting the ground running with it. So um, with that being said, do you have anything you'd like to throw in here before we move on to our first ever topic? Yeah, I mean, I think as, as uh, Freddie mentioned, I mean, we are on the phone um, talking to each other or texting, and it's a good bit about sports so uh again thought that while we do it some of our time could be spent uh hopefully educating you guys about our feelings uh on these great four sport teams in the new england area um i should add too we can always throw in the revolution because i'm a big soccer guy love soccer um and heck, we can even throw in the new Boston Cannons of the PLL. So there's plenty of opportunity to talk about sports in New England, in Boston, um, since we follow them on a daily basis. Love them, bet on them, as Hansen put. So might as well just let you know about what two guys, an old dude and a young dude, think about our teams, where they are now. Maybe some history, too, that um, I think I shock Hanson on a little bit from time to time. So it's going to be good. Yeah, the history and the revolution, those are going to be uh, definitely dominated by your side. You got the soccer and all. But, um, I, I mean, outside of that, too, you know, we are going to be open to talking about all year-round stuff. We're big golf fans. The Masters is a big thing, obviously, coming up that we'll be discussing, I'm sure. You know, March Madness. You know, the World Series, the Super Bowl, the NHL playoffs, whatever it may be, even if our teams aren't a part of it, we're still paying attention to it and we still love it. So um, moving along, our first ever topic here, that's exciting, obviously is the news of Belichick and the Patriots parting ways. Um, I just wanted to get some initial thoughts and, and reactions out of you. I think, uh, honestly, you broke the news to me before I even saw the damn ESPN alert with your text saying Belichick was out. So you were up, you saw it happen. Um, so give me kind of what went through your head and, you know, if you just, if you got any parting words for, for coach Belichick here. Well, I mean, again, from watching the press conference, um, you know, I think it was an absolute class act by the Patriots organization, um, you know, 24 years, um, me growing up there, um, and watching, you know, through Pete Carroll and and then Parcells and some rough years. Yes, you know, their first ever Super Bowl was in 86, and that was exciting, but um team just couldn't do it with Tony Eason behind and 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 heck Steve Grogan, I think, came and played in that game as well. But um yeah, I think under Belichick, just a new way of doing sports as a business and as a culture um brought that um you look at the fact that you know so many of his former players have become coaches some not successful some so 
so-so. Um, but at least I think had them, you know, consider getting into coaching and, and trying to do it the right way, which the Patriots have done for so long. And yes, you know, I watched Teddy Bruschi and his mention of all things have to come to an end. You know, I think we've seen that for a couple of seasons now. And like everything has to change and, and new energy, new ideas. Belichick is still, I think, going to be a fantastic coach if he, you know, continues, goes to another organization. Will he have such an impact right off the bat? I really don't think he'll have a great impact. I mean, it's going to take him time if he wants to build that culture, that idea. And I don't know if he has it within him being, what, 71 years old. I think. I mean, he's 72 coming up, what, April or something? Yeah, I think what he really wants to do, if he really wants to, is chase that number one all-time winning record. But that could be, you know, beat by Andy Reid shortly. So I don't know if that's really, though, what his driving factor is. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's a good point. Um, I mean, like you mentioned about the record, that's the big thing. And, you know, I saw the news and everything, and it's, I think, Dave Portnoy, I, I saw his emergency press conference video, and he put it perfectly. He was like, you know, it's bittersweet. We knew it was coming. Um, to me, I mean, I mentioned this to you, this hurt nowhere near as much as the Brady news did. Um, I was hearing the stuff, you know, like I said, the end of an era and the end of the dynasty. Um, you know, I, de- I definitely think it was the end of the era. I think the dynasty was over when we lost Brady. I think these last couple of years have just been you know, lost there, but it, it doesn't take anything away from what he did for the organization, you know, helped bring the six Super Bowls that we get to saw that we get to see, which is incredible in twenty four years. I mean, that sort of success is unheard of. I would have loved to see him get the record with us, but the way that the way that we're going, that was gonna be at least another two, two and a half years. And, you know, I think it's better that we just move on here. We need to see a new brand of Patriots football a little bit. Uh, he needs to be refreshed somewhere else. Uh, I know you mentioned maybe not having as much of an impact going into the next spot, but uh, that's the, we'll get into that later, some, some landing spots and stuff that he might work well in. But, you know, all thanks to Coach Belichick, the, the greatest coach of all time. I know Saban just announced his retirement literally the night before too, but uh, Belichick's still the GOAT. You know, don't, I don't want to take anything away from him, anything from Brady. Um, without Belichick, we would have no Brady and without Brady, we would have no Belichick, but, um, you know, it it sucks, but it's, it's, it's the right step. Well, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, we bring up, and again, I think one of the great aspects that we're going to be able to bring in this podcast is an old dude and a young dude. And, you know, when you talk about the 24 years of him and, and having, um, a lot of success, a great number of success, unprecedented number of a- AFC East championships, the six Super Bowl rings, the what the ten appearances. Um, but yet, you know, you look at that's your whole entire life. Yeah, this all unknown. No, you know, you don't know Belichick, and they do bring up, you know, and I've listened to some bring up about you know his time in Cleveland and. You know, he had, I think it was three years, four years, one playoff appearance. So um, I think, yes, he is a fantastic coach, but he was also put in a fantastic situation with a great owner that allowed him to do it. Um, Which, again, I don't know what situation he could potentially go to that that owner will allow him, you know, maybe Atlanta. Um, I don't know about the Chargers. I don't see him doing that here in Carolina. Uh, being able so, to do so, your role there. We'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, allowing him to just be able to the crafts allowed him to build a dynasty his way. So. Yeah, I mean, a great situation, and, you know, sad to see it go, 
but um, we've we've got some new to look forward to for the Patriots, uh, which which will be cool. You know, I haven't seen anything but the Belichick run Patriots, and you know, this was a painful year, but we'll we'll see we'll see what comes of it. Um, so to segue, like you were mentioning, some of those spots, um, I've got a couple landing spots here for Belichick. Uh, I scoured a couple articles just to see, you know, who was who was getting the most buzz. There are definitely, I'll say, two teams I saw in just about every single article. There was one I probably saw in about 75%. And then there was a couple other wild card ones uh, that I'll throw at you here. Just give me your, you know, your quick reaction to how you think the fit would be, you know, the personnel that they have, um, the weapons that they could have offensively and defensively. If it makes, a, if it makes sense, uh, the situation that he'd be going into. So, like you had mentioned, Atlanta, so that is one that I'm... Am I going to rate yay or nay, or... Give me a... Give me a... <clears throat> a, B, C, D, F scale. How, how you like that, gotcha. you know? All right. A plus, A minus included. Um, all right, so we've got the Atlanta Falcons, the first one. I've heard a lot linking them there. Um, you know, they've got the young offense... Offensive weapons there with the Kyle Pitts, the Drake London, Bijan. Question mark at quarterback with Ritter. Um, but, you know, they can make some moves this offseason. And defensively, they weren't terrible this year. So uh, how, how do you feel about Atlanta Belichick? I'm going to give that an A to an A-. minus. Um, you know, Desmond Ritter can definitely be a manageable quarterback, what Brady was his first couple of years coming out. Is he going to be that franchise quarterback? No, I don't think so. I think he's proven that right now. But, you know, the cool thing is the kid's a winner at home. Ben always a winner at home. But if he can manage the game, um, absolutely love all those weapons, especially that young running back they got. And in the early years, the team was built on defense and a big stud running back. So I like that one definitely high on the scale. That's an A, A minus. Do you think in Atlanta they're giving them kind of the keys to the castle with uh, a little say on the GM yeah. capabilities again? Yeah. Okay. I think that's a, I think that's a big part of wherever he goes. Yeah, I think that the ownership group in there would allow him. Blankenship would allow him definitely control. Okay. Or, um, um, the next one. Whoever the owner. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, the next one we're seeing everywhere, and I think the big link is the the young stud quarterback that you got there would be the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, granted, you got a big market. Um, you know, Herbert is a star, and he could Belichick could do a lot with developing him um, going from – Brady to Herbert would just be incredible. Um, you do have the big market of LA, but you are also competing with the Rams, and they got a whole hell of a lot more money to spend than the Chargers will, um, if that has any say into his GM capabilities. So how, how do you feel? How do you grade Belichick in LA with Herbert? I really am going to give a B- minus to a C+. Plus. You know, um, sure. You looked right away, you had mentioned big market and obviously i think la is a bigger market than boston um but yeah i really don't know if el belichick and glamour glitztown hollywood la really is his i mean first and foremost and i don't think he's going to change no matter what with the media but damn that would be that would be awful. That, that would be something to see. Yeah, those press conferences, I think, will be just abysmal. Um, even they were already, and I think they'll be even worse. Um, I, I really think that they, you know, I know the guys here at Felger and those guys have been dealing with them, um, but I think they understood them. Um, well, after 24 years, more. it's kind of hard to. It's hard not to. Well, but yet, but even at the beginning, I think they knew what type of person he was. I just think the LA media would just crucify him. him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely makes sense. 
Okay, I like to grade for it. Um, <clears throat> I messed up. I said there was two that I was seeing on every article. There was actually three. I forgot about this one. And this one I've already heard that you've got some thoughts on. I think this makes sense. Um, the Washington Commanders, a lot of salary cap space, the number two overall pick there. You know, you've got some young, decent receivers in McLaurin and Dotson and Curtis Samuel. So you've got some weapons there. Uh, Brian Robinson emerged this year as a, as a pretty reliable back. Uh, defensively, they're a shit show. So that would be something that uh, I'm sure Belichick would not like too much. Um, I did hear something saying, it might have just came through as a tweet, but that, you know, the commanders might not look into this too much. I, I, I'm sure it's just a smokescreen. I mean, you're not going to pass up the greatest quarterback of all, or the greatest head coach of all time in NFL history um, if he's available. But how do you feel in grade? him back in in washington you know again i think that's a c plus i'll, I'll go now nah, i'll go a b b minus um great ownership group um a lot of personality though in that ownership group um i think though that they're already talking about a change so why not now with with a Belichick change, although they have a GM. But, you know, they already said, quote unquote, he would give that up. Um, obviously, you'd have tremendous amount of say of trying to build that defense back up. But they have assets, draft pick assets, I think. So they can easily, you know, do that. Plus, I think that if you're in Washington and you mentioned plenty of cap space, New era with the ownership and the coach. Guys are going to follow him. And again, the location of him being so close to Annapolis. He loves that area. Big lacrosse guy. Could go to all of the damn games he wants to. Um, you know, I think, you know, a good deal of it also has to... I mean, the guy spent, he, he loves the water, right? Spent a lot of time in his boat, Nantucket. You know, he could just stay right along the Chesapeake, just hanging out, finishing up. I think if it wasn't for the fact that the ownership group is going to be a lot more, I think, hands-on than the craft server were, I probably would rate this higher than that be. But I think it's a great situation. Well, you got to think, I mean, from the whole Dan Snyder incident, like they, th this ownership group needs to be hands-on. You, you really have to stir the boat in the right, right direction here because it was, it was an absolute dumpster fire there. Um, but no, that, that all makes sense. I think um, the biggest thing about Belichick to Washington that I think would make the most sense for both after the new regime comes in and everything with it being a, a situation that needs fixing the culture that he would bring to Washington, I think is, is going to be so helpful for both sides. I think that would make the most sense. Um, but, you know, I, I like your grade on it. Uh, and obviously the familiarity with the location and all form. All right, so those those were the ones I've seen everywhere. This one I've seen majority of places. However, um, I've got my feelings about who they should hire as is. Uh, but the Las Vegas Raiders, um, uh, there's not, you know, it's Las Vegas. That's, I guess, its selling point there. Um, I think they would be very dumb to move on from Antonio Pierce. I know interim head coaches don't usually have the best track record once you bring him back as a full-time. However, this one, I think the team loves him. I mean, Max Crosby, their star defensive end, just came out uh, two days ago saying he will request a trade if Antonio Pierce is not back as the head coach. So uh, with that being said, how do, you, how do you feel about Las Vegas? It's got to be a D. Yeah, I know that you have. Mark Davis would probably give him a lot of carte blanche, give him the money. Mark Brady's there too, his ownership. But That'd be funny. yeah, I know Brady being his boss. Um, but I just 
I, I don't see I don't see that as a as an option at all location wise just and I don't think the Raiders have I mean they have a great big back they have a good defense but they're in a very tough division um I don't think they have the pieces right now to be able to turn it around in the way that he would want to. Plus, you know, you just had Josh McDaniels there, so I don't know if they rekindle another New England, even though it's Bill Belichick. I just, yeah, I don't think that's yeah. happening. McDaniels can leave a sour, a sour taste in your mouth for anything New England related. Um, okay, the the next one you briefly mentioned on it, um, as cool as it would be, here that we live in Carolina, Carolina Panthers, I think this is just a terrible spot. I, I think this is the most like unwanted head coaching job in the NFL right now. David Tepper is a time bomb throwing drinks at fans. I mean, yeah, he's got money and he's a rich guy and this would make sense to try to make a splash with Bill Belichick. But um, I mean, the team is horrible. I mean, yeah, you got Bryce Young, a young quarterback, but you got nobody to protect them. Uh, your weapons are terrible. The defense is terrible. I mean, it's a it's a terrible spot to be in. But if anybody could turn it around, maybe it could be Bill Belichick. Uh, what what grade do you give the Carolina Panthers? I'm probably gonna have to go. I'm probably going to say a, a B minus. And is it the ideal, the, the ownership is not ideal, but would Tepper grow up and allow him and not be so hands-on? I mean, obviously, he's seeing what he's doing to the MLS team as well and having a lot of turnover. So I think he's got a understand you know maybe i just don't handle this as much as as i have in the past it is a weak division um you could win a couple games within your division make a playoff you turn around um but you gotta and again you know will guys want to come and and play for him like a Corey Dillon did, like a Randy Moss did, like those guys a Wes Walker did back in the day. Will guys want to come, even though it's a crap-ass team with a crappy-ass owner? Um, but I don't know how much money they have as well in the cap. Yeah, I'm not too familiar. I'm sure it's got to be a decent amount. I mean... Well, then again, you're forking out terrible contracts to a 32-year-old Adam Thielen last offseason. So, I mean, you don't you don't really know. I, I hate the spot. I really do. Hey, B minus is hey, a little shot. Adam, Adam in my fantasy helped me out. So yeah, for like six weeks, and then he fell back off. But never to another point. Um, these next two, these are the last two I've got for you, and I'm gonna group them together because both situations, I think. If something were to happen that these would open up, I think they might be similar situations. They're in the same division as well. Um, the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. Both crazy spots, obviously. Nick Sirianni, is, those Eagles have been unfolding for the last seven, six weeks. Um, I think they lose tomorrow to Tampa Bay. Um, I think the Cowboys win today against the Packers. However... You got to think if both of those guys can't make it out of this wild card round, there might be some conversations about, well, Bill Belichick's on the market and we couldn't beat a 9 and 8 Tampa Bay Bucks team or a 9 and 8 Green Bay Packers team to advance past the wild card. Um how do you how do you rate both of those? Um they, they might be the same, they might be different, but um how are you feeling on that? Well, yeah, I, I don't rate them the same. Um, I'd probably say Philadelphia's in the C, C minus. Um, I think, although obviously 
location wise, I think he would like it. Um, I think he would be a Philly guy. I think the Philly That's fans gross. would like him. That's terrible. But I just don't see that actually occurring. Um, the Cowboy job, even if he wins this playoff game, I think what McCarthy has to do is win a Super Bowl. And if he doesn't, I think he, he'd he be out. He's got to go all This year? Yeah. What if, what if he makes it to the Super Bowl? What if they win the NFC? And he gets – he has to win a Super Bowl. You're saying Super Bowl or bust, McCarthy's fired? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I think at this with this opportunity – I mean, look. With this team. He did, yeah. it, with, he did it with Parcells. He did it once – he had brought, brought Bill Parcells in. I think he would absolutely love – to follow that up with Belichick. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine those two old heads, Jerry Jones and Belichick running that team? Oh, my God. That'd be... And those press something. conferences? Oh, my goodness. What a joke. Those press All conferences? Right. They'd be... I would give that... If, if he doesn't go all... If he doesn't win the Super Bowl, that might be an A only because of the situation, the past experiences that Jerry yeah. Jones has done. Already, you know, already had Parcells all up with the one that he taught. Yeah, makes sense. That would be crazy. Belichick coaching America's team. It, yeah. It, it makes no sense, and it almost makes too much sense at the same time. But, all right, so that's, that's all I've got for the Belichick landing spots. Got some good grades in there. Um, I definitely think it's got to be one of those teams. If it's not, if it's some dark horse, I mean – We'll definitely be talking about that at some point, but I think it's got to be out of that group. You know what would have been absolutely hysterical? And again, because he wouldn't do it because he's chasing supposedly the record and wants the record. And he's already gone down no matter what. He's one of the greatest head coaches. The, of the, all greatest. Time. the greatest head coach of all time. Alabama. What if he oh went to college? God. I I was thinking about that too. Once they both I was like, what if they what if they just get fucking weird? What if Belichick goes to Alabama and Saban's like, yo, give me the keys to New England? Like, could you imagine no. how funny that would be? What, what oh if Bill's like, Yeah, you know what? I want to try this college thing out. Yeah, let me Job try like, this. Yeah. I'll take Michigan. Oh my god. Could you imagine how recruiting, how easily recruiting would come to him? You're like, hey, oh, yeah, you know, it's Alabama, it's Michigan, but also I'm fucking Bill Belichick. Like, come play for me. Yeah. That would be, he would, that would be so bad for college football. Um, all right. So moving on from Belichick's landing spots to. Hey, well, Washington's open. Huskies are open. He, he's not going to Seattle or whatever that is. Spoken. <laughs> that's, that's not happening. Um, no, Pete Carroll probably will. Yeah. And, and you know what? I'm sorry. I know you got segue. I know you have things to talk about, but again, I mentioned about that press conference and just bringing up Pete Carroll. And I know I saw him a couple of years as the coach in New England um, that led into uh, Belichick, but yet. Did you got? Did you happen to see his press conference? I didn't, but I know something was said about he's probably going to step into like some sort of front office role there. Right, but he it was, I mean, very emotional. Um, he he was getting emotional, but the the interesting thing was that the ownership group wasn't part of it, um, which also kind of had him talking somewhat that they were he was still part of the program that he kept on calling um yeah i mean if i was the washington huskies and you don't see a clear cut who you want to take over next i would just put in pete carroll for a year or two let him just finish it up i mean he freaking did the damn thing at usc i mean he can yeah clear that he can he can coach college um I don't know I'm if he'd want to do it. Right. Uh, but you know, it could it could make a little bit of sense. 
Um, but I, I just think he stays on with the Seahawks. I'm glad that you just uh, went for a new Zen because I needed yeah. one too. <laughs> um, okay, so sponsors, aren't we? <laughs> that would be an awesome one. Like I said, <laughs> going from Belichick's landing spots and where we think he's going to, um, that a New England job isn't open anymore. Obviously, we got that news very quickly because of the succession plan in Mayo's contract. But I've got a fun little exercise here. Let's go back. But bring your mind back to Thursday morning. The news just came out. Yeah, that's that's easy. I can do that. Okay. Yep, I know. Um, and, and think, <laughs> hey, the, the spot is open, right? So I've got 10 different options. These are, these are staffing options. I got a head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Got 10 of them. You've got to rank them one through 10, blind rankings, which is I'm going to give it to you. You got to place it in there without knowing the other ones coming up and you can't move it after you place it in there. So from your best to worst, be smart, leave some spots open. Um, and uh, yes, we know Gerard Mayo is the head coach, but this is just a hypothetical situation, of course. Yeah, so, but I like the fact that you're putting in all three and where I would have felt all three would have fit. Yeah, rather than exactly. Mayo, so, okay. All right. So the first one we've got who I thought might have at least been given an interview. Um, Mike Vrabel, head coach. Bill O'Brien, offensive coordinator. Gerard Mayo, defensive coordinator. One through ten, where do you put that one? I would put that two. Two? Two. I would have loved to see it. <clears throat> might have some good ones on here, too. I'll tell you that much. But I do, I do really like that one. I think that would have been my ideal situation. Not that I don't believe in Mayo or anything like that, and we'll get into that later on, but um, I think just actually getting the experience a couple years, maybe three or so, as the primary defensive coordinator, and then right. getting the succession plan to Mike Rabel if it doesn't work out, I think that would be great for him. But um, nonetheless, I think, I think he's going to be – I think it's a great hire and, and whatnot. So number two, we'll stay with the same head coach. We go Mike Vrabel as head coach. We'll go Josh McDaniels as offensive coordinator comes back. And we've got Steve Belichick as defensive coordinator. In this situation, say Mayo were to have left for another head coaching job. I think I would do that as a five. Five. Okay. What do you that's a little high up, but do you believe in like Steve? as the defensive coordinator in that position, a good amount. And the familiarity I mean, with Josh McDaniels. Yeah, but I'm thinking, I'm probably thinking, and as much as we've already put down Josh McDaniel as a head coach, I think his, I think the Crafts definitely like him, his offense, say what you want. Is he an offensive genius or not? Um, I think his offense obviously worked. Yes. You can say it worked because he had Brady, but it worked with Matt Castle. It did. It's a good point. All right, moving on. Number three, we'll get out of the variable territory for now. We got our head coach, Gerard Mayo, offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, and defensive coordinator, Steve Belichick. Where do you rank this one? Um... Probably four. Okay. I, I will note, I think that's probably going to be the one. I, I mean, at this point in time, I think it's the one that makes the most sense, keeping stuff on staff, if we're not going to go for any outside hires. Uh, so I don't hate it or anything. Um, I know we had talked earlier in the week about if Belichick does go somewhere, Steve could potentially go with him. So that will leave an opening um, at D.C. there. But I, I think that's just that's a whole different conversation. Um, okay, so we got that I, one in number four. Yeah. I'm um, putting there, those there because of, I really don't know if, I mean, obviously Steve called the plays, but you still had Mayo there to, to land a yeah. lot of support. I mean, and, I've heard they were like co-DCs, right? It, it was said well, Steve was calling the plays, but everything... During the weekdays, you know, between game days from Monday to Saturday, Mayo was the guy at practice enacting the defensive, you know, 
formations and, and teaching, really. He just wasn't the one calling the plays for him. So uh, I think that is a big part. Yeah. And I don't. And again, if you're now moving into a head coaching role and you've already done that, do you really need a reminder of a bell check in your room calling these? Yeah. So called just calling the play, or do you continue to call and now you need someone else to do the teaching, but you're the call yep. player on defense? I mean, plenty of plenty of coaches have done that. Now I know it's more, you know, it happens more in the in the college field, but I think it. I mean, there's been plenty of guys that have fired their offensive coordinator and they call plays. I mean, Carolina's done it a couple times. Yep. So a couple times. I mean, Absolutely. Frank Wright did a couple times within the year. Yes, <laughs> you're doing it. No, nope, mine. Now I'm doing it. No, nope, you're doing it. Yep. I know. That's a good point. Um, all right, so this one, this one's a little more fun. Um, and I, I threw this in here. I changed this this morning because of our conversation, I think, yesterday about it. Uh, I don't know how much sense it makes, but I like to call this one the linebacker crew. We got Gerard Mayo, head coach, Mike Vrabel, offensive coordinator, Dante Hightower, defensive coordinator. Keep in mind, I think he, as Mayo has already noted, that he is going to try to recruit him. He said a, a couple years back that um, he was asked about Dante Hightower, and he had mentioned, you know, if I ever get my own keys to the ship, I'll definitely recruit him on to at least, I'm sure, handle the linebacking coach because that's going to be open with Mayo as the head coach now. Well, I got to grade this before I say what I'm going to say, and I've done, what, two? You've three, got two, four, four and four. You've got two, four, and five filled. So you got one, three, oh, and then three. six through ten still open. Three. I, I would say three. Um, I would love it. But I don't think having variable as your OC, it, you're going, you're putting Matt Patricia in. I mean, the guy's smarter. I would love it. I would, it would be a dream, but I don't. I didn't want to put it down at six and I'm showing my hand a little bit by putting at three because of something else you said. My tower. Yeah. But I mean, as, as, as a fan, I would love it. I just think, and unfortunately I already put, I I would have put it probably to be honest, like four or five. If I, if I didn't use those already, um, I put it at three cause I would, it would, be awesome it'd be fun yeah it'd be fun and i'm probably putting it high up because it's fun um i didn't want to give it that low of a grade down into six and seven where it probably really should because of the 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 staff or or you know the players in the staff primarily variable being the oc but i put it at number three because I just, it would be, yeah, the linebacking group would be so cool. It would be fun. I definitely think that's a little high considering some of the other ones we got coming down the pipeline here. I, I probably would have put them at like, as much as I love it and it is fun, like you mentioned, Vrabel is OC. I don't see a lot of success. Hightower at DC, I think he's a great player. We don't know any coaching experience yet. So that's a, that could be a red flag there. I think like that probably should have been around maybe seven or eight. Love some spots open, but to each their own. Uh, going on to number five here. I've got Gerard Mayo, head coach, uh, Josh McDaniels, offensive coordinator, and Brian Flores, current Vikings DC, makes his return back to New, or New England to be the DC on this staff. How do you feel about this one? Wow. Because I already showed my hand where I would love, but that one, yeah. I'm not going to put that at at six or seven or eight. And we have so many left. But I'm going to put that at number one. Number one. I really do. I like that one, too. When I was making these, I was like, you know, as long as McDaniels can come in here and be good at offense again, like we've seen in the past, uh, Flores, I mean, just getting back in the system, I think, you know, I'm pretty sure Mayo and him overlapped at some point with their coaching experience. I want to say. Um, 
I think if they At do, if they are familiar playing. with each other. I think I think playing wise, I think yeah, he probably played. That's it. Um, so I think that would be cool. Um, but it also raises the question. I mean, yes, he does love New England, but I don't even know if that's really a lateral move at this point. DC to DC from Minnesota to New England. I mean, I don't know if it's enough to grab him back, but. Right, but I think if he wants to, and who knows, maybe he doesn't want to become a head coach down the line, but I think it would give him a better, I mean, face it, I think the Patriots with Mayo, as, as we know, the head coach, will probably receive, I would assume, more media time. More national media game or national games. Youngest head coach in the NFL. They're they're gonna push yeah. that everywhere. Going from the oldest yeah. to the youngest this year. So if Flores can do well with his defense, which is already fantastic, as long as the guys resign and stay, which I think they will. Keep in mind, we'll get um, Judon and Christian Gonzalez back yeah. too from injury. Yep. I mean, you're gonna look. You're gonna look fantastic. And if you want to become a coach, either in the collegiate or the pro level, head coach, why not? Yep. All right. Uh, moving on to number six. Uh, these ones, I'll say the top five were probably, I'd say the more semi-realistic ones. These last five um, will get a little more fun. You'll see what I mean definitely at the end. But uh, number six here, we've got... Ben Johnson, the current Lions offensive coordinator, probably the hottest coaching target outside of Belichick on the market this offseason for teams looking for a new head coach. Um, you got Ben, jo- ben Johnson at head coach, Bill O'Brien at offensive coordinator, Gerard Mayo at defensive coordinator. Um, I think that probably would be in a seven. Seven. Okay. Are you um, starting to see why maybe you should have kept some some spots open? <laughs> Well, I mean, though, that, and, and I don't mind putting that at seven because I don't know how a Ben Johnson and Bill O'Brien, yeah. that would, I don't think that would work very well. I think at all. that's, especially trying to bring in most likely a new quarterback. Yeah. Setting up your own new system. I mean, Ben Johnson's going to have his idea of how he wants to play on the offensive side of the ball. And I think it's going to totally differ from Bill Bryan. And you're bringing in a young guy as is, a new guy. If you try to keep Mac Jones and use your either your third number three pick or your top second round pick and not grab in Daniels or whoever that might fall. Yeah. But I just think it'd be too much of a clash. I don't think it would work. And I think it's something to note, obviously, you know, Ben Johnson, great offensive mind. If him and Bill O'Brien were to butt heads at some point, you got to give a little, you know, leeway to Ben Johnson, which as an offensive coach over the last two years has made Jared Goff a a great top 12 quarterback in the league. Uh, ARSB has blown up. I mean, this year he's a first-team All-Pro, so he can definitely do something with a good young weapon. Um, great offensive mind, but you know, I, I think it's something to note. The the weird thing about the Patriots, whereas other teams right now, a a staff of Ben Johnson, Bill O'Brien, and and Gerard Mayo, they're sitting there. They're like, yes, you know, make the splash. This could be number one. I think the weird thing to note about the Patriots is, even with Belichick gone, it's still going to be one of those we'd rather go around and bring back our guys or hire within than to bring in somebody from a completely new, you know, conference and and team and everything like that. I think it's something that that will stay with the Patriots. So it it makes sense putting them down there. You know, one, one thing we haven't discussed in any of these is obviously you're going to be the one that follows Bill Belichick, you know, Cam Newton somewhat, but really, Mac Jones was the guy to follow Tom Brady. And obviously, we've seen that not work out for a number of reasons for the poor kid. Offensively, who's teaching the system, um, although he did well with 
McDaniel's, but um, I, I, do you want to be as much as would be cool? You're, but you're leaving Detroit. Yeah. To go into Boston. Do you want to big markets and fill that? Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, moving on to this is number seven here. Kind of a similar situation. We're grabbing a young offensive coordinator oh, from got, another. I still have got, six, eight, nine, and ten. Yes, those are the ones you have open. Um, so this one, like I said, similar situation. You're going and grabbing a, a young offensive coordinator from a team that exploded this year. You got Bobby Slowick, the Houston Texans offensive coordinator. You know, went and was able to develop C.J. Stroud, a uh, young rookie quarterback, which should hopefully be our situation for next year. Uh, you got him at head coach. You got Bill O'Brien at offensive coordinator and Gerard Mayo at defensive coordinator again. Eight. Eight. That that yeah. makes sense. I think I like I, I like Ben Johnson more than Slowick. I think most people would agree on that too. Um, so yeah, I like that. I like that ranking there. Um, all right. So these next ones. These next ones are the the weirdest ones I've got for you, and actually the way that this is shaping out, I can this is probably good. I think you've redeemed yourself with these rankings. So <laughs> number eight here, I've got Jim Harbaugh, head coach, Josh McDaniels, offensive coordinator, Gerard Mayo, defensive coordinator. Six, six, okay. Six. I I will um, I will go to say I I don't I don't think he leaves. I well. I think he probably does. I don't think he should. I think outside of maybe L.A. with Justin Herbert, I don't think I'm looking at a single one of those teams that have a head coach opening and saying this situation is better over the next five years than the powerhouse that I can continue to build at Michigan. You know? Yeah. Um, and I and I think of and and. I put the Ben Johnson at seven and then the other one at eight. The only other person as a head coach that could be the one that fills that comes in after the greatest head coach of all time would be Harbaugh. Makes a lot if of sense. That's you're going outside of the family. Yep. Um, okay, number nine here. Um I mean, we had mentioned it a little earlier. I hate this just because of the fact that we've seen this guy fizzle out as a head coach multiple opportunities. But for some reason, we know the Patriots love him, and if anybody's going to get another shot, it's it's going to be him with the Pats. Josh McDaniels, head coach. Bill O'Brien, offensive coordinator. Gerard Mayo, defensive coordinator. Yeah, I think that's got to be a nine. Nine? Okay. I mean, yeah. Yep. I mean, I think only... I mean, you have great defense. Um, I just think it'd be so many heads. Just, that room would just... And, yeah. But, you know, the culture would yeah. fucking die by week four. I mean, it would. Yeah. I don't like it. Um, all right, and then the last one I've got for you. This is going to slot in at number 10 since it's the only one you have open. Uh, probably makes sense. Um, but it is, it's the most fun one I have. We've got the all former players coaching staff here Mike Vrabel, head coach, Tom Brady, offensive coordinator, and Gerard Mayo, defensive coordinator. Yeah. Wow. I only wish I had one open. No. That would be <laughs> absolutely number 10. Yeah. Even yeah, it's if be. I didn't really pick anything else, I would have put that at number 10. Yep. Well, there's your list. Um, I like it. I, I like I said. I think you redeemed yourself. Um, once we go through and edit this, I'll have this on the screen live time too, filling in those spots. But um, so to transition from potential coaching staff candidates and, and you know staff replacements, there we've got our actual head coach, our youngest head coach in NFL history now, the one and only Gerard Mayo. Um, Give me give me a quick rundown of of how you like this uh, or how you like or dislike this hire and uh, and how you feel about him. I I mean I like the hire. You know a lot of people have said it's an a uh, a 
minus him or variable. Um, either way, they would have loved either one. Um, he has no experience so far, but um, I think he definitely will have the room, the players. And I think in this day, I mean, I think you already alluded to, you know, um, Crosby, you know, wanting to, if if his coach doesn't get rehired, he's going to ask for a trade. You know, players have that ability nowadays. Um, and and we'll do it. We'll demand it. They'll, they can, hell, hold out if they don't get what they want. Freaking little crybabies. But, um, um, you can you can edit that out. No, um, I think though he's he's definitely going to get the players are going to want to play for him. Yeah, it'll be I think. And, and I mean, the defense was already griping already that they're doing all the shit, and the offense wasn't doing anything. Yeah, um, they'll play. I think they'll play even more for him. You know. I I could see this. This will be a top three defense next year. Yeah. And I mean, there's not much to really improve. I'm pretty sure we were still a top five defense with being how terrible we were this year. Um, And with Mayo having the head coaching role there, I mean, I I feel he's going to build his staff well. He's still going to be involved in the defensive end. Um, You know, know, I like what you mentioned about being like a player's coach. I think that's huge nowadays. I think... um, it's going to help to continue to, you know, smooth over the culture. I think Mayo's going to do a good job at great at bringing that over and keeping the status quo here. Um, like you said, I would have liked Vrabel or Mayo. I think both of them would have been home run hires. Um, I love the hiring. I my only gripe about it is I wish we would have at least taken enough time to give Rabel an interview. However. Once it comes out and says, you know, in Mayo's contract that they restructured and, and re-signed him last year, that he was a succession plan. Obviously, the Patriots know that there was there was never going to be that. Uh, it literally said in his contract that they don't even have to open up interviews for other client or for other candidates. They can just go ahead with themselves. So they knew what they were doing. Um, so I'll believe in in the crafts and everything here. But I, I think you had something to say there. Yeah, I was going to mention the one thing, and I think I sent it in a text earlier to you, um, and I'll be I'll bring it up for the audience too. That you will see though an increase in the staff at a variety of positions that we haven't had in years. I mean, you you look at you look at the their um, official um, coaching staff. And by far, they didn't have as many staff members as any other team out there. Um, yep. I think they alluded to having multiple roles, which maybe was a deterrence a couple of years ago. And, and why they didn't do as well as they should or could have, because the guys were too thin. Um, and they just didn't have that mind. So I think you will see opportunities like Hightower, who I'd absolutely love, like Matthew Slater, who I would hope, like Troy Brown, all former greats. Devin McCourty. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's great, and I, I hope that we expand the staff in that way and continue to kind of build on that new, you know, playing for the coach. Uh, player coach sort of style that you know Mayo can bring in that Belichick never was able to really um okay so enough about Mayo um you know excited about this and excited about the year to come and and to see what he does especially you know leading up to the draft and everything how he builds out this team um before we end this off here we are obviously right in the middle of super wild card weekend we had two games played last night with the Texans absolutely dismantling the Browns and uh, the Chiefs handling the Dolphins, as I think we all knew was going to happen. Two was never going into Arrowhead and playing in that weather and winning that game. But we've got four more games on the wild card weekend. Uh, I'm going to go through really quickly here. 
I got spreads and, and over-unders. I wanted you to give initial leans, how you're feeling about this, and uh, just, just a quick rundown of the game to kind of just to, you know, get behind whatever lean you're putting on the spread or the over-under or anything. No, I, I absolutely love to because I think in our yearly pick them all that we did, um, did did I win? Don't bring it. It's still it. Yes, you won. But here's the thing. All right, we're not doing that damn app again next year because I thought that it was going to allow us to at least pick the playoff games. If it was picking the playoff games, I was going to come back and beat you. It was only like within four. Bad year picks for me. So, so, so I guess we're not at mentioning the app that we use because we don't want them as a sponsor. <laughs> Moving like on. Sleeper. Uh, so like sleeper. <laughs> like sleeper. Um, sleeper. The first game we've got. Here in about 22 does, minutes, hey, does Sleeper do a pick? Uh, they might. I'll look into that for next year. We've got the Green Bay Packers going oh, into Dallas. Great on top, oh, that would be great on top of our fantasy uh, league that we're in. And on top of worrying about your players, you have to make everyone pick as well. That would be great. They're not going to agree to that. Packers coming into Dallas today, 4.30 p.m. <laughs> Eastern time. We've got the Cowboys favored by 7.5 right now, over under set at 52. Give me your leans. It's at 7.5 now? 7.5. Has yes. it always been? Wow. I don't know. I don't know what it opened up at. I think it was less than a touchdown, but we've definitely got some line movement. Yeah, because um... – Savannah and I were talking about that this morning, and she actually got them at a, a great. I was like, "Wow, I can't believe you got Dallas at that number." Um, but I would take. I, I'm still going to take the Cowboys, even though it's at seven. You said seven, seven and a half. Seven and a half. Yep. Seven and a half. Um, I have the Cowboys money line i picked them um i still would believe though seven and a half they'll win um and you said it was 57 52 52 i think i'll take an under on that okay i think i'd go um seven and a half is a lot of points obviously in a playoff game but with being in dallas where they've just been dominant all this year i think you can take the seven and a half um, surprising you'd go the under on that. I th yeah. think just because I, I think if you're laying into the seven and a half, you're laying into a, a, a Cowboys beatdown almost. And I think with a Cowboys beatdown, the, the over pairs too well there. So, um, I mean, I, I could mean, see I, also the Packers not scoring. Right. I don't see the Packers scoring maybe more than 10 points. 10. Okay. I was thinking maybe like, you know, 17, maybe like a, I heard a prediction yesterday, like a forty-one seventeen. That's giving you that's giving you fifty-eight. That's giving you the over. Um, could happen. I think I think hitting the over all relies on the Cowboys here, but yeah, no, I I think it'll be more of if if the Cowboys get up early, it's just going to be a ground game. Yep, and the clock will run, and even if they stop Green Bay deep. And they have good field position, 40, 45. I think they're still going to run. And then I think once you get into the red zone, there'll be something stupid. A pick, a fumble. Give me, a uh, give me, give me one very quick, top of your head, anytime touchdown scorer in this game. Who are you taking? Um, Tony Pollard. Okay. Moving on to the late game today. What most have been saying is, the game of the weekend. Uh, we got Matthew Stafford and the Rams making his homecoming to Detroit with their first home playoff game in 30 years. We've got the Lions favored by three points over under set at 53. How are you leaning on this one? Um, I mean, the atmosphere obviously will be electric. Um, everyone will be excited in that stadium. And the Lions are not yet a team of destiny. They'll win this game. 
Um, I think it'll be darn close. I would probably take the over because I think a lot of points are going to be scored. Um, but I think in the end, Matthew Stafford will do something stupid and throw a pick in the end. So with you, the opportunity to win the game. Are you taking the plus three or the, um, the three? Yep. Plus three Rams. Okay. Um, this one, I've been seeing everybody and their fucking mother on the Rams, on the Rams money line, on the Rams spread this weekend. Um, I no, I think it's going to be a good no, game. I'm, sorry. I'm taking the Lions. You taking the Lions three points? Good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Um. <clears throat> I think. Yeah. It's going to be a, a darn close game, but I think it will be by three points or four, and I think Stafford will have an opportunity to win the game, but he won't. Um. It'll be. A- like I said, I've I've seen everybody on the Rams, and uh, I think this is going to be a great game for maybe like three quarters. Um, this this is the Super Bowl for the Lions. Um, quite frankly, they got to win this game, and I think I'm taking the three, and I'm I'm feeling good about it. Um, and and yeah, I I guess I'll take the over. Um, all right, tomorrow's game. We've got the Eagles going into Tampa Bay. Eagles are three-point favorites. Over-under is set at 43-and-a-half. You'll notice I didn't say the Bills-Steelers game because breaking news while we were on here, it got postponed again. So, uh, Eagles-Bucks, where are you going on this one? Um, Eagles have to show up. They have to win or their season is an absolute disaster. Tampa Bay... I think we'll find a way to, yeah, not win. Their coaching staff boils. It, he'll do something. They'll do something stupid. Um, it'll be tight for the first two quarters, and then you go into halftime, and adjustments will be made, and the Eagles will soar. No pun intended. They will soar, and it will be Eagles. Like thirty seven twenty one. Okay. Oh, so you're you're going way past the over. Um, so this is where we differ. Uh I mean five out of six in the regular season loss. The team looks like frauds. They're without AJ Brown. Devontae Smith is banged up. Jalen Hurts probably is still missing a middle finger. I I want in my heart the Eagles to lose. I want in my mind the Eagles to lose. I think Baker Mayfield comes out here and puts his dick on the table and beats this fucking team, beats the defending NFC champion, lets him home early, um, and then the fallout, we'll see what happens with Nick Sirianni or whatever else with the Eagles. But uh, I'm taking the Bucks. I'm taking the Bucks money line. I'm taking the Bucks plus three. And at 43 and a half, I'll probably slightly take the over, uh, maybe like a 24-20, 27-20 sort of game. So you're just hitting that. But, uh, yeah, I, I got the bucks in this one. Um, so that'll move us on to our last game of the Super Wild Card weekend, which now won't even be a weekend. We're doing this from damn Saturday to Tuesday. Um, but we've got the Pittsburgh Steelers going into the frozen tundra avalanche that is the Buffalo Bills right now. Bills Mafia. You got Bills minus 9.5. I know I've seen that number go down. I think I saw it at, like, minus 10 yesterday or something it opened around like six something like that uh you got over under set at 38 and a half you know keep the weather in mind how you lean in here um gotta stick with my bills um that is a lot of points but i think yeah i mean no matter what it's still gonna be damn cold um i don't think pittsburgh with whatever quarterback they put out there is going to be able to, even though they have done a lot better offensively after getting rid of Canada, but um, I don't think they'll be able to be able to, it'll still be windy. Even if you don't have snow, it's still going to be windy. We saw that, what, that New England Buffalo game with all that wind that one time and how New England threw threw like two passes. Yeah, yeah, two, three passes. So um, I think it's going to be a game sort of that, but 
the Bills. Von Miller will have a game defensively. They'll they'll be great. Um, and I'll probably though, even though it might clear, or at least you won't have the heavy snow. I still will go the under because I think Buffalo is probably at most twenty one points, and I think the Steelers will just put up. 10, 9, 10. Yeah. Um, I mean, this one's easy. I really hope this doesn't come back to burn me. I really hope it's not one of those games because I've seen everybody on the side and hopefully the Steelers don't keep it close or whatever. But um, you you take Bill's money line to the bank. You take Bill's minus 9.5 to the bank. You take under 38.5 to the bank. You throw them all in a parlay. You watch this absolutely disgusting game. The Steelers beat down. Mason Rudolph's going to get killed in Buffalo. This is This shouldn't even be fun. Um, but I'm pretty sure that's an easy one. We'll see. We'll see how it, you know, it's the playoffs. Anything can happen. But I mean, this is as clear as day here. I feel like. Um, but that's all of them. Then that's all of our wild card. Um, I, I was gonna say let's go through all the playoffs. Um, but but we're running, we're running close to the kickoff for this other game. So we'll keep that for another time. Uh, maybe next week we'll record one, and then you know after the wild card we'll go from divisional and on. Um. But then that'll wrap it up for us. So uh, I appreciate y'all all listening to this. Hope you had a good time listening to our, you know, some of our stupid takes, our analysis. Uh, and we continue to, you know, look forward to producing more content and uh, and more fun, more laughs going forward throughout the year with our year-long coverage of our Boston sports and, and whatever else. So um, you got any last words before we sign off here on the first episode? Yeah, no. I mean, I, I think, you know, as we continue to go through this, I think our personalities will come out more and more. Um, I was absolutely surprised. I got a lot of names correct. Um, yeah, that's which that sure, was big. Yeah, as sure you know, if you continue to listen to us, which we hope you do, you'll find out that I will mess up names, and that's why I have my son making fun of me and being able to correct me and hopefully be able to edit it where I don't sound as stupid. So <laughs> definitely not going to happen. I'm going to leave those in there. But, <laughs> all right. That is uh Freddie and the OG Fred signing off for the first time. Thank you for listening to a new era podcast. We can't wait to be in your, your ears again. Have a good night, a good week, have some fun watching some wild card football. We'll catch you next time.